Okay, uh, hello everybody. I've got to watch these wires right here. Boy, it's good to look out and see a bunch of faces of people I know. I would begin calling some names, but the problem would be I would overlook some folks and think, oh, you can call my name and whatever, but connections from, I mean, Otter Creek of old days. As I see John Dawson right here, I see Bob Brandon back there and others, uh, Mike Duncan over here. Mike and Mike and I were classmates, as also with John, and then worked with these four people back here, well, three out of the four. <laughs> uh, David, a new direction in life with Stephanie there, but Rob and Ellen. Rob was our youth minister down in McMinnville. And Ellen came along, I think, teaching your, your very first year as a teacher in McMinnville. Uh, so, uh, boy, there's a lot of stories I could tell right there. Uh, so, anyway, and now Dan Smith, one of our favorite people, has entered. I knew that you would come. I knew you would be here. Paulette, I could correct you. I, uh, second floor flight didn't have a full-time preacher. Well, we had a regular preacher, oh, yes. and you say that I just like enjoyed going to the Heflins and had a lot of fun down there, but you didn't point out that uh, besides Bailey, whom I had uh, been on the same dorm floor with him for all four years, I think just about, but he had a lovely sister that liked to ride with me on Sundays to go down there and then ride back on Sunday evening after we had a service that a few people showed up for and that was a whole lot of fun, just getting to visit with her along the way, that kind of stuff. So I was part of the Sycamore Flat story my uh, junior year in college. Well, okay, uh, so I might tell my story. I've got a, I've got a book of stories that uh, Bailey referred to, and he brought a copy. I brought two or three copies here. I'll tell you more about that maybe as we wrap up uh, today. And I'm going to go fast through these slides. I've got about 29 slides um, when I retired three or four years or so ago at MTSU, I decided to sit in a class. It was psychology class, psychology of aging. I thought, well, I need to learn. Here's where I am, and I'm retired. I need to, I, I need to learn. So I go to this class. meets one night a week, and I, you know, I'm the only person my age around. The teacher is like this, humbling, like 20 or 30 years younger than me, and then all these kids are between 18 and 21 or 22 <laughs> years of age. And they just kind of, and I think I intimidated this teacher a little bit because she would make a point or two and then she'd come over to me and look at me and like, okay, you comment. And I would just be trying to think of a comment. But typically, believe it or not, um, it's not that I enjoy being in front of people and talking. I really don't that much, but I feel called to do it sometimes. And she would, uh, I'd have to just get ready and comment. I'm happy to just sit in a class and listen and learn and, and not, not say a word the entire time. But um, uh, anyway, she assigned all of them to do a term project and do a report. And uh, she looked at me like, what are you going to do? And I thought, I'm just, I'm just sitting in. I'm not even taking, I'm not even officially auditing. I didn't sign. I'm just sitting in trying to learn something. But she expected me to do something. So I came up with a topic that the others were not doing, like humor and aging. And I thought I would talk about that in here, but then maybe I didn't maybe have enough material for that. I've got some slides at the end. We'll come around to some. I took the questionable ones off. Well, I left, I left two or three in, but I took some I know would be offensive. I took them off, <laughs> but the kids seem to love them. Anyway, so that, that goes back a little bit. Um, Okay, but uh, this hit me. This is a spoiler alert. I'm going to say a spoiler alert, and that is that 
Not only will I go fast, I'm going to skip over a slide totally when I come to it. So don't be offended. That's in the works. That's planned. And the other thing is that you know everything I'm going to teach, pretty much. You do. So I think, why am I doing this lesson? They know everything I'm going to say. Uh, but maybe it helps to be reminded of some things, though. Perhaps that, that is it, that, that, there, that is, there's some good in being reminded. Uh, sometimes we know truth intellectually, but do not know it existentially. Now, I know those are some big words, but you know what I mean here? Like, we know, we all know that we're going to age. We all know that life's going to come to an end, that we're going to die, pass away, whatever euphemism you want. We know that's going to happen. But sometimes we don't know it existentially. That is, in terms of real-life experience. We don't know it emotionally until certain things happen in our lives that really awaken us. Like, whoa, wait a minute. And I feel that's true. Like, in other ways, we like read the Psalms or sing songs. Now, can you relate to me on this? That growing up, raising the church of Christ and singing these hymns, acapella and whatever, I just mouth the words. And after a while... You, you, can, you can say, oh, that's Santa 3 of, uh, oh, why not tonight? Or this is Santa 3 of almost persuaded. You just know it. And you're just kind of mouthing the, or singing the words. But they don't really impact. Now, here's where I am in life. I think it's a little higher level of spirituality in terms of one aspect. I'm not saying it's true in general about me. But I think now I pay more attention to lyrics. And I sit in the pew and I think, that speaks for me. That does. And I think, sadly, sometimes I sit there and say, that doesn't really speak for me at all. That's not how I feel. I don't know whether you do that or not. I mean, one time there was an old hymn. I wrote the lyrics down. My, my faith looks up to thee. I thought, we sung that so many times. I've got almost to leave. My faith looks up to thee. So, um, and then I look at the last stanza that has these words. When ends life's transient dream, when death's cold, sullen stream, Shall o'er me roll, blessed Savior, then to love, fear and distrust remove. Oh, bear me safe above, a ransomed soul. And I guess how many times have I sung that everything about the words? But then you say, that, wait a minute. That's a prayer that many of us might find ourselves praying as we, um, as we get older. I mean, something similar, maybe not using those words, but I thought, how many times have I sung that old hymn? And that's quite often true of a lot of other hymns. Well, I said I've got this, this slideshow. Without a PowerPoint, speaking not unto them. I've adapted the words said about Jesus in the Gospels. The King James Version has it this way. Without a parable, speaking not unto him, them. Well, the King James you know, has this unwieldy wording. And what it's really saying is whenever Jesus taught, he used a parable. <laughs> so whenever I teach, typically... And this tie actually is a carryover from, I just taught a class in the American presidency in which Fletcher was president and Steve Adams. And Steve Adams, we really put me down one day, Steve, I know you've heard this, but I've got to tell it. I've got to tell it. Because you don't think, see, you look at him and think, oh, he's a fine man, he's a fine elder, he's in this. <laughs> but this could have really hurt my feelings. I know, Fletcher, you've heard it, but I've got to share it with you because it goes on with our topic of aging. <laughs> Oh, my, Steve and a fellow named, uh, what, I wrote his name, Jim. Yeah, Jim, I can't pull his last name. He's a really nice gentleman. So we're at the Y. Steve's there on a regular basis. I'm on a regular basis. This Jim's there on a regular So we're in there, we're in the locker room, and we've, I guess, showered, toweling off and putting our clothes on and so forth. And 
And I, I felt, I read in Facebook that Jim had turned 80. This has been a number of months ago. And so I said, Jim, I said, you've turned uh, 80. And I uh, see he's in one part of the room. And here's, I'm talking to this Jim. Said, hey, so we're all talking about age a little bit. It's either Jim or uh, someone in, in there said something like, oh, I, uh, I think Steve said, how, how old are you? I said, well, I don't know if I should really give my age. But I'll tell you what. I'll give you a clue. When I was born, Roosevelt was president. And there was this pause, and Steve said, which one? <laughs> so, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I thought, oh, you know, <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt was president in 1905. So, uh, anyway. Well, it was a great put down. It was great humor. <laughs> All right, let's move along. Let's just see what I've got right here. Uh, stark realities. Again, you know all of this. So I might go kind of fast. Again, I'm going to skip over a slide. Uh, and read the stuff that's in red. That's going to be uh, standing out a little bit more, I think. Uh, one behavior we all do together is life uh, is, ooh, how's it, life aging. That looks like a little redundant. I just typed this up this week. Uh, but reading in the red, we typically are aware of this aging process. And we are only the only species, as far as we know, who spends all adult life knowing that death is coming. Is there any animal that has, their animal can be fear of, knows it's in danger, certain animals do, but do animals spend their life cycle knowing like, okay, this is going to come to an end? Uh, there's no, no evidence that that is the case. And I say, like, when did you become most aware of aging and how it impacts your lifestyle? I know we've all had little signs that come our way. I could, I could cite a bunch, but I mean, you could relate to all of them. When, I mean, when your kids come along, but then when your kids grow up and get married and they have kids, or you're a grandparent, but suppose the kids they have, they have kids. And some of you are there, not all of you, but some of you are there, so you got great grandkids. And I look at our two daughters, and some of you may remember them from the mid-80s when we were here working at Otter Creek. Now they both have gray hair. I mean, it's not solid, but, but it's, it's gray hair. One of them is a little bit more than the other. I think, my goodness, what's happening here? But gray hair is better than no hair at all, but that's another story. <laughs> um, so when do you become aware of that? Here's one that um, I think, uh, teaching that class on the presidency, when I invited Craig Bledsoe to come along and make comments after my lesson each time, then I reflect on the fact that Craig Bledsoe was a student of mine at Lipscomb, sitting in a class as a freshman. Not only has he spent a career at Lipscomb, he is now retired. So when someone you had as a student has retired from a job that's full time, that can be a humbling thing. Like, wow, what does that make me? Oh. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That's a good word. <laughs> do you ever? <laughs> I bet you there's something that I do that I bet you might do that you didn't do at earlier in your life. You look at obituaries, <laughs> right? And you read some of them. And maybe the picture gives you a clue. I'm going to read about this person. But the humbling thing, somebody say, I think I know that person. I think I'm connected. And you read down there, such and such, and I remember some Church of Christ somewhere, or went to Lipscomb, or something. You say, wait a minute, yes. That's the connection. And it's so humbling. What's humbling? 
They're younger than you. I mean, that's a humbling thing when you experience something like that. That can tell you that you're getting older. So um, sometimes you see someone that looks really pretty young and think, I'm going to read about that. And one thing you look for, cause of death. You say, is it in there? Sometimes it's not listed. And maybe if it's like an auto accident or something, you don't want anyone to go through that, but there's a little bit of reassurance like, okay, I'm not in danger of that. But if it said someone died peacefully in their sleep, like, whoa, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. You know, that could be my name in there. I don't know whether you all relate in quite that way or not, but I just throw that out. Sometimes life can throw you certain experiences that humble you. Let me come right on through here. Again, I'm not going to be, I'm just kind of saying what comes to my mind as we go along. So I've, I threw that out. You find yourself looking at obituaries. People are living longer nowadays since 1900. The percentage of people over 65 composed 4%. By 2008, this is a little bit out of date, uh, the number had increased 12 times. I read this just last night thinking about our class. That in the 20th century, we jumped between 30 and 40 years life expectancy in the 20th century. Isn't that amazing? And of course, there are several factors, but one is like control of disease, um, diagnosis and control and vaccinations, that kind of thing. So... Lifestyle is different, so we could feel like, okay, we're blessed. I mean, when someone like George Washington died in late 50s or early 60s or something, we think, okay, he was an old man. I mean, his generation thought that way. Now we look back and we think, you know, that wasn't all that old. And we may, one writer said, we may be at a point where we're looking at age irrelevance. Because you might find someone who is 60 and 70 who decides to adopt a little kid, so he's the father of a little kid, and will do just fine raising that little kid. On the other hand, you can look at like, there could be a corporation that hires a 28-year-old to come along. So how relevant is age? Maybe not as relevant as it used to be in former, in former generations. Oh, let, me, let me come along here. Oh, here we go. I may, you might remember this picture. I'm going to make a point in just a little bit that when you buy, I'll just go ahead and make it now. When you buy greeting cards for, for saying happy birthday, but it's for older people and wants to call attention to the age. You don't see like a happy, contented couple enjoying life and so on. You see like some kind of grouchy person, disabled, <laughs> you know, making fun of their disability, that kind of thing, cranky, disabled, all the D's, depressed and disabled and disjointed and whatever else. So anyway, perspectives on aging. I say they're numerous from a medical point of view, biological, sociological, psychological, biblical, which we'll try to look at that a little bit. You probably heard the name Eric Erickson. <laughs> now, he was on an authority back in the mid-60s. He's been around a long time. I'm sure he's not living now. I'm, I wouldn't think he is. But, um, but he's kind of an authority in the field of psychology on aging. He's talking about we go through different life stages and so on, and we need to strive for ego integrity. Ego integrity means that you live a life that is in accordance with the values and the principles that you believe in, as well as your own gifts and your talents. I make a distinction between gifts and talents. I think gifts, I see, is what God gives us. And talents, what we develop based on those gifts, is the way I see it. So I've kind of <coughs> emphasized the word gifts a little bit more than I do talents, but most of us have some of both. 
And as we age, so we can go through ego integrity or go through despair. And sadly, there are more and more people, it's a sad thing to know that suicide rates have never been higher in our, in our culture. So a lot of people have not found that sense of uh, ego integrity. So strong ego integrity means a retrospective acceptance of both the positive and negative aspects and attributes of oneself and life, satisfaction and pride. There can be gold in the golden year. Sometimes it can be difficult finding it. I'm not going to give a bad joke here. But anyway, physical changes that go on. Oh, we know these. This is, again, I'm not teaching anything you don't know. Guessing the age of others, we typically look at checking an individual's face and hair. That's what we do. And we make a judgment call right there. Skin has been called the largest organ in the body and is vulnerable to a series of age-related changes. Skin discoloration marks a passage of time as skin becomes more translucent, making it easier to see underlying bones and veins. We all know that. Capillaries and arteries may dilate and become more visible and so forth. This can be depressing, this slide right here. <laughs> I need to move on through. Nails, nails and toenails, we don't want to talk about having they can be stiff, thicker, colored, so forth. Teeth become more discolored due to loss of uh, enamel surface. Oh, again, we know, our, we know all about this. We do know. <laughs> well, I've learned this. I've, I've learned this. You're never too old to wear braces if you want to. I remember we went uh, on a trip to the, as we call it, the Holy Land with Philip Morrison. It's been a number of years ago. Actually, it's 20 years or so, year 2000. Um, but he had braces. And I said, oh, you got braces? He said, yeah, my mom told me I was old enough now to wear braces. He made a joke about it. <laughs> but you're not too old to wear them, uh, for sure. Now, this is, this is kind of touchy here, so I'm going to be <laughs> sad to talk about this a little bit. The most obvious change in the hair. Technically speaking, you know, your hair does not turn gray, but the production of melanin that gives the hair color slows and eventually ceases. So at the time between 75 and 80, the time between 75 and 80, there are virtually no naturally colored hairs left on the scalp or other hair colored areas of the body. All right, most of us know that our thinning of hair, more obvious than men, actually occurs in both genders. Well, we know that to be true. Again, I know you know all of this. So in the blue, I'm saying right here, a stark reality, although hair may stop growing on top of the head. <laughs> this is serious. <laughs> it's serious. Well, as I said, <laughs> you know this already. It may appear in spots where are not welcome, <laughs> such as chin on women or ears or elsewhere. They've ever said, I don't have it, but I've got this long one in my ear. You know, Get the tweezers and get it out. So anyway, as the old saying, hair today gone, well, here today gone, hair today gone tomorrow. There's Bruce Willis as a younger man over there. Sadly, he's not doing too well health-wise is my understanding on that. So, um, anyway, bodybuilding bones, reaching the 50s, 60s, our bodies may have only a passing resemblance to what they look like. When first, I know this is depressing, but you're able to laugh about it. Why? Because there's no other choice other than being depressed about it. People get shorter as they age, as they age. 
How many of you feel like you've lost maybe one inch of height? I feel like I have. I had back surgery not too long ago. And I think some of the vertebrae kind of coming down, making a lot of fun trying to walk and all that. So you, you may be an inch, at least an inch shorter than you were a few years ago. Uh, bones have mineral content and so forth. Osteoporosis going on. Look at the red. Unlike muscles, bones do not benefit from constant use. Contrarywise, joints lose flexibility and become more painful with constant stress. Now, this is the one I'm going to skip. All right, if you'd pardon me for doing it, I could have slid it down to the... But anyway, is there anything good about... It? This is more important. Is there anything good about human aging? Okay, I say the accumulation of knowledge and wisdom. So you folks, I have to believe that the different classes meeting right now, this is the wisest class of all right here. The this is Y'all are it. You have it. If we could bottle that all up or we could put it in a series of books, say this is where to go to learn practical wisdom about living life. Now, I, I also had to say this, certain ruinous temptations no longer have their appeal. Now, don't answer this out loud, but are there certain sins you could not be tempted to commit right now that maybe you could have been uh, tempted to commit 50 years ago? Um, so we can get to the point, like the writer of Ecclesiastes often thought to be Solomon, like, okay, I have no pleasure in them anymore. That can be a depressing book, the book of Ecclesiastes. An older person no longer has to please one's parents or disregard what your adult children think about what you do. That could be an advantage. I heard that a 98-year-old woman, and someone asked her, uh, how, do you, how do you feel, what, what, is, what is the biggest joy you have right now? And, he, and she said, having no peer pressure. I thought, well, that's pretty good. You know, you don't. But <laughs> many of us, though... All right, so we don't have to use these immature defense mechanisms, which become rare with age. Game playing, if you're in psychology, you know what game playing is, you know, pretending to be something else or to think something else than you really are to get a response out of somebody. Rationalizing, doing ridiculous stunts to impress people. How many folks, how many males have been killed doing some stunt to impress somebody? No need to spend a lot of money trying to impress people. Now I'm going to come around to the scripture. This is a Bible class, so here we go. Spiritual principles of aging. Our culture, that print may be a little small, our culture tends to emphasize the body, its appearance, such as, that's why I've got this on the left. Ordinarily, you wouldn't show that in a Bible class, the Venus de Milo. Um, some of us may have seen this if we've gone to Greece and wonder what happened to her arms and that kind of thing and how they got broken <laughs> off. But, um, but this the, 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 at the top does not represent the Greeks and the Romans, the way they looked at the human body is not the way. It's not the way the Hebrew nation was concerned about the inner person, not the outer person. Concerned with holiness and the inner person. Okay, read this in red. Likely there are more scriptures and teaching intended for older people in the Bible than there are for young people. Did you know that? You've got, you've got a few that apply to young people. Paul in 1 Timothy and then Ecclesiastes 12, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth and so on. But there are more admonitions for older people than for younger people in the scriptures. On the other hand, how many, how many ministers for the age do we have compared to youth ministers in our, in our congregations? Now, I know there's a good explanation for that. We're going to stay out of trouble a lot easier than 
than the young people who are always the facing temptation. Of money spent on the youth instead of the older people. Not what now, Paul? The amount of money that is spent on the youth instead oh, of the you're, older that's a good point too. Absolutely, youth programs and so on. Really, I'm not criticizing that at all because that's so important. I mean, they're beginning their lives, and they need a strong orientation and a foundation. So I'm not criticizing, but there is a little bit of irony that I'm kind of touching on right here. And I say much of what the Bible teaches uh, on age is incidental. It's like reference points that are really about something else. And I put down what Jesus said to the Apostle Peter in John 21 and 16. Now, or it's 18, isn't it? Yeah, your vision is one of the things that goes uh, in there too. But I, uh, I, can, I can summarize that for you, and you're, you're familiar with it. But where Jesus is saying to Peter, when you were young, you went about wherever you wanted to, and you ate when you wanted to and whatever else. But as you got older, then you were led around by someone else, and someone else feeds you, and someone else takes care of you. When I read that verse, I think it'd be a great essay, if not an entire book, if someone to put this together, like, what are some common sense things you find in the scripture that inspiration would not be required to come up with them, but just someone who's good in perceiving, like, okay, this really makes sense. Now, to be honest, there are some things the scripture don't make as much sense to me as maybe they should, but there are some things that make such eminently common sense and that's one of them. But I think that'd make a great sermon or a lesson sometimes. What are the things that make such sense that you don't have to make some claim of inspiration for people to accept them? You know that they are true. And that's really true, what, what Jesus is saying right here uh, to his apostles. So just living a sum of years does not merit any special honorable recognition. I'm going to show you we have an original painting of Methuselah. And the only reason I put him in here is I was preparing this lesson this week. Many of us don't know what he looked like. And as a matter of fact, there's only one thing that we know about him. But here we go. Whoops. That's, there he is, right there. And some people think his name was that it meant, and then he died. But that, those are the words in Genesis 5 and verse 27. Now, I put that up there. I say, uh, notice he read, what on earth did he do before he died? Why on earth is he even in the Bible? I'm not going to ask you if you think that's a literal count of years. That's another story. But anyway, what on earth did he do? There's nothing there. Really, I think I skipped a slide, did I? This one right here, spiritual principles on aging. Oh, uh, no, I didn't. Sorry. All right. The mind's one of the first things to go. Okay, aging, biblical <laughs> principles. Here we go. Gray hair deserves and gains respect in the Bible. Uh, gray hair is... Uh, is a crown of glory. It gained by living a godly life. Uh, nothing said about loss of hair, what that means, basically, but I, there is a story in the Old Testament that can makes us wonder sometimes about people making fun of Elijah. Remember that? How many remember that story? He's too bare. That's, that's really ethically, I'll, I'll be serious, I was kind of joking about it. Somebody said in the Bible, but ethically, Makes you wonder, wait a minute, did the, uh, the punishment fit the crime? But anyhow, that's, that's another matter. Uh, maybe, maybe need, so we got scriptures, James 4 and verse 4, we know that to be true. That life is short, just like a little mist that appears for a short while and then dissipates. <sighs> and there's work for senior Christians and so on. Okay, y'all know this. So the inevitable question, what is the meaning of life? 
and the legacy we leave behind. And we're put here for, for a reason. And this suggests some cosmic or providential plan that describes how we should live our lives. As with Paul saying, we press forward, or we press toward the high marks, the calling, forgetting those things which are behind because our citizenship is in heaven. Our, we know that. Now put this in bigger, bigger writing right here. To me, Rabbi Harold Kushner, when you read some of his writings, and he wrote mainly, you know, this famous book in the mid-80s, he wrote this, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? That book makes a lot of sense. It's a pretty honest book. I highly recommend it. But he's written other books, too. I like this quote I found from him. Our souls are not hungry for fame, comfort, wealth, or power. These rewards create almost as many problems as they solve. Our souls are hungry for meaning, for the sense that we have figured out a way to live so that our lives matter. Our lives become important because we are here on earth not just to eat, sleep, and reproduce, but to do God's will. I think that's a great statement uh, from this rabbi. I think he's totally correct about that. And I think, sadly, those people who feel like life's not worth living to the point believing it so strongly that they take their lives, then they haven't really caught the, some kind of meaning and purpose in their life that they want to keep going on. I mean, that's, that's a sad thing. And I throw this out, that hymnists capture the essence of our prayers at the perceived end of life. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. That's a song that we have sung growing up, I'm sure. Pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Guide me with thy powerful hand. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Bear me through the swelling current. Land me safe on Canaan's side, or son of my soul. Thou Savior dear, it is not night if thou be near. O oh oh may no earthbound, earthborn cloud arise to hide thee from thy servant's eyes. Now, I'm going to shift gears and get into, I'm going to look at our time here. I'm going to just do this quickly. I just say, hey, humor is good. Have you all been laughing some in class? That's a good sign. It is. I mean, hey, if you can laugh anytime, that's good. You're going to live longer. I believe just, it's an old saying, uh, and that is, we don't stop laughing because we grow older. We grow older because we stop laughing. So what do you think? I think there's a whole lot of truth in it. Maybe it's overgeneralized, but there is a lot of truth in it. So humor is good. It distracts us from negative forces, relaxes us, reframes us, acts as a kind of a pharmacology, supposedly releasing feel-good chemicals, uh, or endorphins into our bloodstream and so on. It heals. It's good medicine, and there's a whole lot of truth. Let me come quickly. Look at the bigger print down here. Humor and comedy can provide a learning experience pointing to the unspoken truth. A lot of truth is spoken, embedded in comedy. Sometimes you heard the old saying, there's a lot of truth in jest, and that can, that can be to someone's cracking. They're, they're saying that for a reason. I'm going to show you one of my favorite cartoons. It's in the Tennessean. I, we get it every... Right here. How many of you ever look at the pluggers? Yeah. Aren't they pretty good? Yeah. I mean, there's several. Every other day or so, I'm cutting one out. Now you're looking at those right there. The plugger is this older guy. He's kind of got a goofy caricature that he's drawing. Right there, he's asking for a certain haircut. One of the more recent ones is like... You're a plugger if your wife is your new barber. And it shows like his wife cutting him. So, okay, okay some of y'all, you can, you can relate to that. Uh, one of my favorite, and I didn't get this blown up, but I, I've got this saved somewhere, where 
the man plugger says something like, I don't, dear, I don't think I'm quite ready for assisted living. And she replies, let me tell you something, buddy. You've been on assisted living for the last <laughs> 20 or 30 years. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, there's a whole lot of truth in that. Well, let's see. Okay, sometimes I'm going to just go quickly. Let me come down to the point in red. Aging humor is based on these stereotypes. Here's the words in D I was trying to think of all ago. The words um, deaf. That's me. I'm half deaf. Diseased, detained, discouraged, depressed, disabled, dysfunctional, debilitated, decrepit, demented, and soon to be departed. Think of all these words starting in D. That can be so so depressing. And so a lot of aging humor. There's a, there's a bunch of it out there. And I made that point about greeting cards. Often emphasize the D's. Okay. Now I'm going to run through. Uh, some cartoons I've got. I've taken some off right here. Um, anyway, I say as older people, there's a realization that we are going somewhere, but where? <laughs> and uh, you can see in the one that's a little clearer. This is a little, little fuzzy down here, but you can see like the symbol, like okay, death is coming after you. So that's a that's more of a humbling kind of message in that cartoon, right there. Okay. Um, how aging affects the belt line. Have you seen this one right here? So you can just like look at where someone's wearing their belt. That can tell you, that can tell you a lot right there. So you, actually, I've got that on another slide. It's a little bit clearer. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to read the one. That's all. That's a little bit questionable, but not as much as some I took off. Right, the next one right there. Um, now, some people that made. There were a comedy about aging, part of their routine. That I know that all of us have heard of Will Rogers, and some of us remember, maybe remember him. You know, the interesting thing, Will <coughs> Rogers, I was adding up his years. What have we got right here? He, I mean, uh, 21 and 35. He was like 56 years of age um, when a, he was on a plane in Ala flying over Alaska and went down and he got killed. So we probably missed a lot of good quips and comments and so on. Incidentally, this just comes to my mind. So it's, it's a sad memory, actually, but it was 60 years ago this weekend that the plane that uh, Patsy Cline was on went down. 60 years this weekend. Did y'all hear that in the news? I mean, just got a reminder on that. So anyway, so we missed some good things, but Will Rogers often made fun, and he said, eventually you get to the point where you stop lying about your age and you start bragging about it. And you know everything, you know you're getting old when everything dries up or leaks. <laughs> you know, that's true. Being young is beautiful, but being old is comfortable and relaxed and good judgment comes from experience. This is an old saying I hear from different psychologists, but it's true, good judgment comes from experience and a lot of your experience comes from bad judgment. And we know that to be true. I mean, that makes, that makes such sense. And then his most famous quote was, I never met a man I didn't like. So that's a nice thing to say. You have to wonder how true is that. But anyway, now here's a quote I didn't put up there, but sometimes I teach politics and history. So, um, now there we go. Old age is setting in. What did Will Rogers say to really? Oh, yeah, he said this. He said, uh, people ask me what, what I am in terms of being a political partisan. I'll just say this. 
I don't belong to any organized, reasonable political party. I'm a Democrat. So anyway, that's right. Now, my Republican friends love to use that, that particular quote. George Burns, who wanted to live to 100, and he did, just at, you know, he made it to 100. Now, some of his comedy shouldn't be on screen, so it's not there. But anyway, he would joke about, oh, maybe that's, he shouldn't have thought about that, but what do we want for his 100th birthday? He said to have a night with Sharon Stone. <laughs> Burns once stated, when I was a boy, the Dead Sea was only sick. <laughs> then Dean Martin said of Burns, when George was growing up, the top 10 were the 10, let's see, growing up, I think the top 10 were the 10, they were 10 suggestions. I think I mistyped that in my rush on that. Well, that happens. Okay, Phyllis Diller lived a pretty good age right here, too. Uh, um, anyway, she, some of her quotes, maybe life begins at 50, but everything else starts to wear out, fall out, or spread out. You know you're old when someone compliments you on alligator shoes and you're going barefoot. <laughs> So <laughs> that, that could be. At my age, my back goes out more than I do. Now I, I can I can begin to relate to that. I wore a peekaboo blouse, and people would peek, and then they would booze. <laughs> I'm glad you're all are laughing because because that's a questionable one right there. That's for sure. Let's see. Um, okay, she was a stand-up. All, all of us remember her. I mean, if you ask your young people like. What do you think about Phyllis Diller? Say, who is she? So they wouldn't probably relate to that. Let me come along right here. Okay, Rodney Dangerfield, his favorite line was, I get no respect. He was a stand-up comedian, often making fun about um, life itself. My wife and I were happy for 20 years, then we met. Uh, I told my psychiatrist that everyone hates me. He said, that's ridiculous. Everyone hasn't met you yet. <laughs> so that's pretty good. My psychiatrist also told me I was crazy. I said, I want a second opinion. He said, okay, you're ugly also. <laughs> now, a few, let me look here. We're, we're just about out of time. We've got two or three more to run through here. I've already shown you this one on the left. Uh, this was inappropriate in the middle. I realize that's true, but... <laughs> but, but <laughs> I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm not even going to read these off. Okay, here we go. The next one right here. Sometimes older people, issues of sensory perception become important as it's easy to lose good vision. And um, you can read that one right there. Let me come on to... Okay, so if you look and you see all these features that you don't like, in them, at least your eyesight is good. <laughs> Both women and men have hearing issues. This, here's a woman on the left. She's saying, I went to my HMO doctor today. And the other her friend says, I think my doctor is a homo. <laughs> but Frank thinks he's straight. And these other two guys playing golf. And one of them says something about a lost ball. And then he says, I saw it, but I can't remember. So that's like a memory issue right there. Um... Okay, perhaps indeed older people still think about sex. Is it saying? And the one I was right there. There's Cougar Alert. One of them is saying in the wheelchair right there. And um, so I guess in retirement homes, people can joke about that. Pretty much. Let's see. 
When males go through, aging males, some conditions are only funny if, you're not, if they're not happening to you. So, all right, some of that borderline inappropriate, basically. <laughs> and I, I had another one on the other side of these, these pumpkins. Lack of good vision create all kinds of problems. But I, I took it off. But it's, uh, someone said, we need to deal something with this, this pumpkin over here on the left. He's talking to a basketball. So vision is an issue with that one. Looking at the present and into the future, each generation can decide what looks best and works best. I kind of like that one down there. It says something like your uh, hip replacement somehow was, uh, you didn't get a good doctor. That. The one at the top, I know it's kind of vague. I couldn't find it more clearly, but it's like corn maize for older people. It's only got one stalk. Okay, so. <laughs> and all right, have you all seen these right here? T-T-U-L, talk to you louder. W-T-F-A, wet the furniture again. L-O-L, living on Lipitor. F-Y-I, found your insulin. B-T-W, bring the wheelchair. D-W-I, driving while in contact. B-Y-O-T, bring your own teeth. I-M-H-O, is my hearing aid on? H-G-B-M, had a good mountain. <laughs> and R-T-F-L-C-G-U, rolling in the floor, laughing, can't get up. <laughs> remember, as you get older, your secrets are safe with others and because they can't remember what your secrets are. Anyway, I could talk about this, this Maggie Kuhn, the Grey Panthers and so on. Um, she was, asked to, she was asked to resign. She was a Presbyterian church secretary. And at 65, she said, I can do everything. I could do at 45. But she was still told to retire. She goes out and she forms this organization called the Gray Panthers. And they stand up for certain um, principles that all of us can relate to. Actually, Bonnie Wright, didn't she die a few months ago, as a matter of fact? But she's had this quote that I share with you, life gets mighty precious when there is less of it to waste. And who did you that, say that? Hmm? Who did you say that? You know what I'm thinking about? Who am I thinking? That shows that I'm... <laughs> no, she didn't. I'm thinking about Loretta Lynn. That's who I'm thinking about. <laughs> Honestly, that was an honest mistake. It truly was. Oh, my goodness. Uh. I don't know. I, 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 really, I didn't do that intentionally. I did not. I thought, oh, my goodness. All right. Let's see. All right. Let's see if you've seen this, and I've got an advertisement here at the end. The artists of the 60s. Some of them come back. Some of them show up the Opryland. Hermes, Hermes, Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely daughter. But that's been rewritten. Mrs. Brown, you have a lovely walker. <laughs> Ringo Starr, I get by with a little help from my friends. Now I get by with a little help from Depends. <laughs> The Bee Gees, how can you mend a broken heart? Now, how can you mend a broken hip? And uh, Paul Simon, 50 ways to lose your lover. Now, 50 ways to lose your liver. And uh, Helen Reddy, Iron Woman, hear me roar. Iron Woman, hear me snore. You probably seen Leslie Gore, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. It's my procedure and I'll cry if I want to. Willie Nelson on the road again, and then on the commodity. That's not in the bed. Uh, I've got other... Incidentally, I'll just say this. It's really inappropriate in some ways to say it, because, but it's not a moral inappropriate. It's just like, I don't like doing this, 
But I'll just say this. I, um, two or three weeks ago, I had a book come off the press, and when I was writing it, this is actually the last chapter in that book, but there's a whole lot more, and I've got a bunch of jokes I couldn't tell about any writing in there. But I tried to produce something that no Church of Christ minister has produced. It's certainly giving answers to questions like, does it do any good to pray? Did Jesus repudiate the Old Testament? Is Jesus really a woman's best friend? Does God have a sense of humor? Those are some of the questions I've got entire chapters on. If you're interested in it, and I just, I had to come up with a title and all this right here. Uh, everything, I call it Everyday Christianity, Theology with Common Sense, Practicality, and a Touch of Humor. If you're interested in this, that's fine. Uh, the, uh, the publisher put a price like $20.99. Why they couldn't add another cent, say it's 21 bucks, whatever. I can get them between 17 and 18, counting posts and everything. I could, I'll be glad to sell them at my cost. To me, it's almost like a ministry, but there's like 12 chapters. One is on, is Judgment Day going to, uh, how, do you, how do we interpret Judgment Day? Has Jesus already come and we missed him? Now you may think, boy, these are strange titles, but the truth is I make an argument that maybe Jesus has come and we missed him. Doesn't that sound strange? But I'm not dogmatic about it. And I quote John Mark Hicks in this, and he has a different view. But I try to look at some things differently from how anybody that I was raising looked at. You know, I keep an open mind on this. In some ways, Jesus did repudiate the Old Testament. And I'm thinking, so if you're interested in that, and if Bailey showed you this, this book, which came out like two or three years or so ago, I've got some of these left over, I bought some. But please don't revive us again. And the story on that, where we got the title was, I was out with Brian uh, Masterson. One day we were walking years ago and had Granny White Gospel Meeting. Come here, Jimmy Mankin, at 7.30 every night. At that point, it was around 7.25 and only three or four cars were in the parking lot. I said, people are not going to come here, Jimmy Mankin. And, and uh, th so then he said, uh, Jerry said, well, it looks like they ought to change the song, please don't revive us again, because they're not interested in doing it. So I thought, okay, I've got an entire chapter on the funny things that happen in gospel meetings. And uh, some of you have this book already. Mike's got it, Bob's got it, whatever, but I've got a few extra copies. If you're interested in that, if you're not, that's fine too. Life goes on. And anyway, I know I rushed through this, but anyway, that's just something that I thought I would talk about while in your class, Paulette. I'll turn it over to you right there. Thank you so much. Okay, you're Great. welcome. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I thank you. That means a lot. All right, thank you.